0: welcome to episode number 15 of the nfp podcast presented by 3d entertainment the nfp podcast is brought to you by sneaky weasel lager and hey y'all southern ice tea the official alcohol sponsor of the show as well our official clothing sponsor wrangler long live cowboys hello everybody lots to talk about we had the american on the weekend looking forward to it before we get into that let me introduce the boys jason davidson first how are you my man Doing
1: good there, Red. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm still kicking. The sun's Better shining. Boy. Fucking summer's around the right corner. We're you ready. should be
1: still kicking. You're 20 years younger than Scott and I. This you is true. Little, you got a little more runway than us, that's for sure.
0: Scott Byrne back again today. How you doing, Scott?
1: I'm good, guys. Good to be back. Good to good to see your smiling faces again. Really pumped about episode 15.
0: Already. Do you really going. mean
1: that though, Scott? You're really happy to see us? No, I'm just actually I'm pumped about episode 15
0: <laughs> uh any exciting stuff on the weekends fishing anybody I went fishing but Jason do you probably went fishing again I'm sure
1: yeah fishing in a t-shirt Saturday it was very very nice day up there in the north uh you had better luck than me though buddy we got skunked
0: I got one uh, we caught two total and uh, but it was my first ever uh what did they hard water fish. <laughs> in the frozen tundra yeah that was my first one
1: i i can't believe that tanner like you're a northern saskatchewan boy and you've never been ice fishing come on well, it's because he's in maui for six months in the winter every year why would he be fish ice fishing fish. in maui yeah. he's off the back of boat catching marlin and swordfish <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: yeah i don't really like the cold so yeah anytime when it's you know I like drinking beer, I guess. And that's why a lot of people go ice fishing. So I can do that in my fucking basement. I don't have to go and sit in the cold and try to catch fish while I'm doing it. But I did enjoy it. I had a fun time. We got stuck, uh, big snow banks and had to shovel out. I hurt my back. I couldn't walk for like three days. So yeah, I know it was a great fucking experience all around.
1: Sounds, sounds <laughs> like a remarkable time. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little secret, a northern Saskatchewan ice fishing secret. You drill your hole, you wheel your passenger door right up to that hole, you tie your line to your windshield wiper, throw your line in the hole through the window, and then put your windshield wiper on intermittent, and it just does the jigging for you. You just yeah. sit
0: there in the
1: heat and drink. <laughs> well, that <laughs> yeah. kind of takes that takes the sport out of it then.
0: Coming from Not the really. guy with a fucking 48-inch TV and a barbecue <laughs> yeah. and it's
1: Fucking shock. <laughs> true, <laughs> fucking true. Stripper pole. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Just I'm gonna write that
0: down. Point taken. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, uh, the American was this weekend. What a rodeo! What a fucking facility, yeah. AT T <laughs> Stadium. Such a such a cool event. Big highlights from there, obviously for us here. Uh, the biggest highlight, Jason. You can go into this more, but the top three in the bronc riding all 3D athletes. That's pretty uh, pretty big feat. You gotta be proud of that.
1: Yeah, that was good. Well, you too, buddy, Uh, you know, Zeke Thurston's all you, um, too. I I really was rooting for Rusty, you know, but, uh, you know, if he stays on, we got them all. We're winning a hundred grand before it even starts. Uh, but you know, that wasn't a, an easy pen of Bronx in that, uh, in that eight round. It was, well, um, they brought one guy back on, uh, on his score from the,
0: yeah, the bow riding style. Round, yeah, yeah, that's that's you only so see that, that in the don't happen. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, with well, the year I was at the NFR as the alternate was 2001. Well, they had a whole pen of those horses, and I believe one night only three or four guys stayed on in the saddle bronc riding. So then that pen of horses comes back, and I remember that was uh, everybody was talking about it, you know. Um, it wasn't about the pentables or who had what in the bareback ride. it was just like, who's going to stay on in the saddle bronc ride. And like, it was the, yeah. kind of the talk of the week. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. You, you think that the classic sport of rodeo, it's just supposed to be easy, you know, to the neck, to the D's, to the neck, to the D's, but no, it, it, it doesn't work like that if uh, you're on the ground, if you stub your toe. Outstanding horses. And, and, you know, of course I pay attention, especially to the Calgary horses, uh, I looked at my neighbor, he was over here watching with me and I said, There is no way this like the size of those horses, the athleticism, there'd be no way I would get on top of one of those. Like what would especially in the bareback ride, right?
0: Oh uh, fuck yeah! You well, we might get right, on I, one, Scott. I don't fucking yeah, think would we go just out. don't
1: know for how long. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't be long to the uh, end of my nod. Those Calgary
0: horses of- have been fucking unreal too. That you brought that up. Hey, oh, like since, since the, NFR. the N.F.R. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah.
1: for uh, for not going. Um, You know what? We really got to take our hats off to the state of Texas. They've mm-hmm. basically provided us. With how much entertainment since December, hosts of the national finals. Yeah, Yeah. you know what are we at three PBR events in Texas, including the PBR World Finals, and now the American. Yeah, thank you, Jerry Jones, for uh, the opportunity to throw some dirt in T-Mobile.
0: Damn it! And great
1: to see all those people again too. I believe twenty some thousand on Sunday. Um, So it's good. Maybe maybe we're gonna get back to normal here sooner than later.
0: Have to fuck yeah. No masks, no nothing was going on there. It was just, well the the governor kiboshed all rules. He got rid of all uh, regulations, all masks. He fucking said we're going. And Mississippi did the same thing, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. Let's go, game so on. Back
1: to the back to the American. Um, if Ryder Wright is going to ride Bronx Holy like God. that and like he did in in uh, a Globe Life Field, who who who's going to beat him?
0: Yeah, dude, he's on. Yeah, and I'm
1: not just saying that because he's one of our guys. Who who's gonna beat him?
0: Yeah, no, he's he not bad. only
1: gets by those dirty ones, he does it with style. Like he is, he's Connor McDavid right now in the brown right? no he, Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's yeah. phenomenal. And you know, last now guy, he's you got that knew it. Yeah, he's got that head start that he didn't have last year, and still come back from behind and placed in nine, nine of ten rounds. So. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think so we'll see a win. few more rodeos this year, yeah. obviously, um, yeah. because their vaccination rates going so well in the U S they're, you know, we're seeing more States follow with less restrictions. So, um, I just hope we can all be in Vegas doing a podcast during cowboy Christmas somewhere next year.
0: Well, gonna, so a hundred thousand this year, this year, yeah. hundred thousand to the winners of each of those events and 50,000. Dollars of that money counts towards the PRCA world standings, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all those guys, any and what about the like second and third places? Does all that money count? Like the 20,000 fifteen. So Stet- half?
1: Stets, yeah, Stetson won uh 25, right? Is that what he won for second? Yeah. 12, yeah. 12 five of that counts towards all the standings. Right. So yeah. put Stetson solid in the in the top 15.
0: Yeah, there was fuck. There was such so many cool storylines. Tilden Hooper wins the the bareback riding. For those that know Tilden, that's such a long time. He's been through so much fucking shit and necks and broken bones and you know it. You never really thought maybe you'd see Tilden at at on that. High of a stage. stage or winning yeah. that championship, you know, and I thought it was kind of cool. Him and Casey Field traveled together, and Casey was the yeah. last guy out in the bareback riding. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder, like, what if Casey just, you know, like if if uh, Casey's won so much, I'm like, Fuck it, just come on, let Tilden, now let
1: the him guy, have, <laughs> let him
0: have one, uh, <laughs> you know. But he did. And Casey went at that horse, and Tilden won it fair and square. and yeah, just long hair flying, really cool to see. Oh, it. one of the
1: we good guys, one of the cool guys, great yeah. image, you know, it does a lot for rodeo. Just just have a look at him, you know, get a picture of the guy. We <laughs> should really be looking at head and shoulders endorsement for that guy. <laughs> yeah, <I like> it <laughs> Man, Colton. that is a flow he's got going.
0: Yeah, it's unreal. Colton Fritzlin wins the bull ride, and he was dominant through the whole two days, right? That Only guy that you ride all three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bull well, yeah. bucked
1: Donnie Gay off the back of the chutes if you were listening
0: to it. <laughs> yeah, fucking it. Right. Yeah, road chiseled. I didn't think chiseled had as good a day, but they're all, you're always going to say that when they ride him. But he gets him snapped, and that bull bucked him off a couple of weeks ago in a 15-15 bucking battle, so it was good for him to – not have that in the back of his mind shows his true championship mentality that he doesn't let that shit bother him. and comes back stronger and fucking rides him the next time he has a chance at him. So kind of cool. And he was the only
1: guy to stay on one going into that. In the round, eight correct?
0: round, in the eight round, he was the only one. So here, here's
1: on. a conversation fellas. Should he not have automatically where you guys head at it? Should he have not been the champion right off the hop?
0: Yeah. Fuck. I think so. It doesn't make for good TV or a good fucking problem. But it is kind but of shitty. We've seen that at the
1: Calgary Stampede before too, where they don't get four qualified rides for the championship. They'll they'll take only three guys back.
0: Yeah, they will, right? Yeah, yep, they only right. take as many rides as there is. So yeah, but I mean, like like we said, it doesn't make for good fucking television when it's you've already won it before that. Now,
1: f- <laughs> did he come in through the qualifier?
0: No, nobody won the million. There was not. No,
1: I know. Qualifier. I understand that. Oh, yes, you're right, or he would have won the million. Yeah. yeah. But there is a rule. I was listening to it on the way back. I was uh, had it going on my phone. Go tell the uh, our, our CMP officers I was watching my phone while I was driving. <laughs> uh, and Steve Kenyon, I believe his name is, come yeah. on with a little bit of trivia. That if you qualified through the qualifier and you have to compete, like you know, in the bull riding, you couldn't fall off in the final four and win the million.
0: No, you had to ride yeah. in the eight round. So Marco yes. was a million-dollar qualifier. He got bucked off in the eight round, but since he had the qualifications from the day before, he got drawn back on his score from the night before. Mm-hmm. So That's got, what it was. come okay. back to the yeah. four round. But even if he won it, he still didn't qualify for the million on okay. top of that. So, he so still two, million next, yeah, two million, million next year. Two million next year, fellas. Over. How
1: many team ropers are coming? out? was Clay O'Brien and... And Jake Barnes coming out of retirement just for the American next year. Do you think
0: fucking right? How would you, I mean, yeah.
1: In past years, has someone always won that million dollars or is this the first yep. year they decided to carry that? It's always been one then, right. Someone's yeah,
0: always never, won it. It's There's usually about over. two or three that win it. And then you split that million dollar side pot. Yeah, so.
1: Richmond <laughs> champion won it by himself. Did he not? The very first year.
0: Yeah. 2014. So yeah. Yeah. He yep. won it all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I fucking bucked off stone sober but on the you back I was there
1: yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. did you go there how many years
0: twice I went yeah the very first year 2014 um they always put the the fucking heat in that eight round and I wasn't on tour or anything at that point and uh we get the drawback and I had stone sober jory marcus had uh asteroid um every like all the fucking heat at that time was in there and i was like a little over my head here boys uh <laughs> tight. yeah but uh yeah no it's it's so cool that place is cool i had the privilege of riding there a few times and you know the, the global cups and uh iron cowboys and all the events that we've got had in that is place it? it's fucking nuts Oh, yeah
1: is it as big as it looks because holy, oh, yeah. insanely oh, insanely insane. big
0: yeah well you yeah. haven't had to
1: sit up in the stands tanner you've been no, you've yeah. always yeah you have to see it you can't really it's kind of like when people talk about the greatest rodeo and you and you talk about saint t you can talk all day but until you go there and experience it you don't really understand it um, yeah. but yeah jerry built himself quite a house there like just even the what goes on underneath like the what you can drive in there and turn around, I wouldn't even want to guess how many semis could park down there under the roof. Yeah, it's it's cool. incredible.
0: Yeah, very cool spot. And uh, you know, uh there's always lots of people there for the for the bull rides and for the global cups and stuff. But imagine a sold-out fucking Dallas Cowboys game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, you can see what that place does to to people and does to competitors. If you watch the calf roping, uh, the super unfortunate event for Hunter Ram, I probably fucked that name up really bad, but uh, he was a million dollar qualifier. He snapped his calf down in 7.2 seconds, had the damn thing won, goes back to his horse, reaches for the rein, and uh, misses it probably by fucking an inch. He misses grabbing his horse's Mm -hmm. rein to get back on his horse. And horse spooks fucking takes off running and he's disqualified. And... Oh, well, the way the sun
1: comes in that place at that point of time, too, if there was a shadow or whatever it was, I mean, we've always said we're, we're playing in a game of variables, you know, human and animal and whatever. But that was devastating for oh, me. I, yeah. I was just like, no, your no. heart. Yeah. so close. You're so close. But yeah, that was, that was a shitty deal, man. I felt bad for him. Well, well we, he's got to live with that. He's got to live with that. Yeah, you wish you he just threw it in the like, fucking
0: dirt or something. Just yeah, totally missed, yeah, knocking sure, You know, I every, agree that's going to be he's going to be known for that forever. No matter, yeah, you know, yeah. as, and he's going to live. And that's nothing against him. I mean, shit, fucking happens. But you know, how it is in, yeah. in all sports. Something that big happens to you. Nobody. Well,
1: Steve like Steve Smith bouncing it off. Was it Grant Fuhrer or Andy Moak behind the net way back in the in the that cost. So Edmonton won two cups, didn't win one, and then won two. And the year they didn't, uh, Steve Smith come out from behind the net to pass the puck up. And I, I, I don't know if it was Grant Fuhr yeah. or Andy Moog. I hope I'm getting that right. I'm sure it would have been one of those two goalies. It was Fear. It, it was fear. It Bounced it off his leg and in the net. And I believe yeah. it was against Calgary.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, right? There's always Well, those you, you see it once a sports. year on
1: TSN. Yeah. No, nobody lets you forget it. So. No.
0: Uh, uh, different in the sense probably of those guys not at that time but other sports you're making fucking millions of dollars in your contracts already so if you make that kind of a mistake you're still getting the same paycheck when you fucking mm, head to the bank in the morning that poor guy you know that is out a million calf roper 1.1 million that fucking you know that cost him and he was the last qualifier to go fucking it was his oh Oh, it's just
1: remember zeb Lamont, bull rider yep Wranglers Rockstar, Calgary Stampede, I mean, throws him off to the middle of the arena. That arena is huge. I float through there. I stutter step, should have hung around a little longer. That bull just looked around me and caught him in the middle of the arena. And I mean, he pitched him from <laughs> The front 20, page of the sun. Right? Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, for... For four or five years after that, that would be on the big screen as highlights, you know. Oh, the bull riding and there I am. I it was just like, can we just get rid of that already? You know, it just <laughs> uh, oh yeah,
0: no god. Shit. Yeah. yeah. It'll make you want to drink some sneaky weasels. Oh, oh man. here we go. That,
1: right. Dim the lights, dim the lights. Let's hear it.
0: If you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager. This mildly hopped. Craft Lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration, fun in the sun, good times with friends, and drinking away that failed fucking calf roping situation that happens to the best of us. This (laughs) beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. How does yours taste, Jason? Hold
1: on here. Uh, I was just going (laughs) to... Me too. Nope. Hasn't Do showed it. up yet. Yeah. We got Remember. nothing.
0: <laughs> One thing I didn't agree with at the American. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on it are, but the seven-year-old that got to uh, got the invite into AT&T Stadium to to go for the million dollars. She's seven years old in the barrel racing. Um, is what it is. But at a professional level, professional sport, I don't feel like that's the place for a seven-year-old girl as well never they had her been. fucking tied to the horse. I don't know if you guys seen that. They had never her never should have happened I, in the never
1: happened. I Both She made did. a run. Did she make a run in Fort Worth?
0: Yeah. So that's the, you know, this, soccer, is, the, this yeah. is the backlog on it. The people that people are yeah. like, well, she earned it in a way because she did compete against the 300 other braille racers or, or whatever was at Fort Worth and in, in, at the American semifinals. And she ended up in the top 30 or something. So it wasn't like she just, they just brought her out of nowhere. She did compete. She did actually do pretty good at the, at the qualifier. So then they gave her the invite to um, the actual American at AT&T stadium, but that big building, that, Little of a girl, that crowd. I mean, fuck! It's just a disaster. When it happened, and it was it was close to a wreck. I, I, well, how? Like
1: that. Yeah, and how about? Yeah, yeah I I mean, he broke she, the she, pattern she, on the way out. That yeah. horse
0: just. Yeah, poor girl. I and mean, that mean,
1: horse. You, you guys, come on! That horse, way overpowered. Um, and I yeah. agree, Tanner. I don't think she should have been got the buy-in or whatever you want to call it. um Well, here comes I mean, the haters. Here comes the hate mail. I was always against the boy steer riding and the novice bareback and Bronx at the CFR.
0: Why? You didn't like that? Why? No,
1: because I was at a couple of the afternoon, Saturday afternoon performances that they're sweeping up the seats, trying to get it cleaned up in time for the seven o'clock performance. They ran along. We never went. I remember TJ and I hang out in the dressing room for an hour and a half in between perps. I just... For me, because I've, uh, you know, me guys, uh, you worked with me a long time. I'm a production guy. Like, I need it to go, you know, bang, 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 bang. And that rodeo is too long in Edmonton or Red Deer now. I haven't been to one in Red Deer, but I always thought it was too long. And I thought, you know, when they moved it to like Strathmore or something, perfect. Showcase the kids there. That's great. Because junior steer riding cattle at that time, you just, they don't stand, they don't, the junior steer riding can take 30 minutes to buck six kids sometimes, and that's yeah, sure. yeah. I think it's, it's a downer. Side of it it's a downer,
0: yeah. I like having um, the kids there for the, just for them to get the experience out of it. Get at that. their and, own you know, level, not at the high, not, I don't like a fucking 12-year-old riding in the bull riding, like right, the barrel racing right. was at the American, but I well, like I'm giving not. them a couple of attempts at that high level. Yeah, but I, you guys,
1: you guys, on the other side of it, do you not feel that a 7-year-old that's plummeted right to the American is is somewhat setting the bar really high for that little girl (laughs) and now and and now she's gotta you know try get back to that again you know whatever it's horsepower or whatever but uh man I I just firmly believe that you should you know kind of got to make your way up there and I and I and I I surely don't agree with tying someone to a saddle Yeah. yeah that is You'll kill
0: some right? it's, it's proven I, I wonder it's if the pickup died. man were standing
1: there at that Fuck, gate ready yeah. to go. Yeah yeah and like you said at it, tanner it, it potentially when she came around third oh, and yeah. the shit was going south it could have been a yeah it could have been an awful wreck. So yeah yeah that should not be allowed anywhere another and before, and before the hate mail comes you guys do know that I do support the junior Oh, right no,
0: You already events. said it. You just said that, you know, <laughs> but not eight yeah, or 12 yeah. of them
1: per <laughs> for max, not even a shoot load.
0: Another piece of drama. Once again, that happened at the American Marco Agucci. So he goes to the, the qualifier. He makes it through all the rounds and he's in the final round of the American qualifier. He gets bucked off. The clock shows 7.97 seconds. Um, they, they go, they have the qualifiers, whoever makes it, they announce it. All those qualifiers wake up in the morning, head to the American, get their back numbers, get ready to go. At noon, the kid that was in sixth place gets a call that says, I can't remember, I don't know who his name was, he's a young kid from Minnesota, gets a call and says, uh, sorry, you've been drawn out. There's been a rule change. We actually gave Marco Aguce a score, and now he's in the top six, and now you're bumped out. What?
1: Yeah, I I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so they said... uh, So obviously
1: no buzzer there. There's no replay.
0: No replay, no anything. What happened was Cody Lambert watched it, met with the committee from the American, and whatever he did, whatever went on there, they switched it, they changed it, they gave him a score, and Marco Gucci, that's why he was riding at the American.
1: I don't even
0: know what to say to that. All right. Uh, fuck, yeah. I do.
1: I do. Cleats made it on almost every pod we've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's been on everyone. Almost. Yeah. His name comes up.
0: Yeah. I thought that was pretty well. There's uh Joel Ricardo Vieira had it on his, had his, on his Instagram and explained what was, what was happening. And, Uh, supposedly, yeah, he did make the whistle and it was just an error that happened. So I don't know all the details of what went on, but I know there's both sides of it. Yeah. I get Marco, um, deserved to be there for what went on. And then, but the poor other fucking kid that was already at the event an hour before it starts. Uh, yeah. they should have just probably fucking took them both, yeah, you know what I'm to saying? Give a yeah, have given my bye. yeah. yeah well, a no, poor little guy. And, but
1: and while we're at it, let's just tie him on that bull, too. With the
0: seat, <laughs> I wish they'd have tied me to a few. Fuck, I didn't <laughs> <do it. laughs> uh, moving so, on.
1: So, sorry, but obviously, there was uh behind the scenes replay look at everything.
0: Not a clue. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, what, I would, I, I know, I was just what surprised it went
1: down. It yeah. must have been a, a, a a blatant half a second to a full second. Yeah. From yeah. not okay. being correct, maybe. I yeah. I'll stay out of it.
0: Okay. PBR returns to Glendale, Arizona this weekend, March 12th to the 14th. Uh back inside. Fans, I don't know. We'll see when it comes on TV what the whole plan is around there. But they are going there and it's a three-day event. But there's a little bit of a side. Part Friday, March 12th is going to be day two of Del Rio, Texas, which as if you're listening to the podcast, you'll know due to weather, they had to cancel the second day of Del Rio. So um, they're carrying over the scores from day one in Del Rio to to Friday in Glendale, and they're going to totally finish off that event and then start a fresh whole new event, uh, the actual event in Glendale itself for the 13th and 14th. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday, two day event.
1: Well, on that point, Tanner, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, um, the why fuck not? are you doing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> just... So,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. Did Arizona Arizona not follow suit with uh, no masks and stuff? Did, weren't they one? Well, not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. But They have fans, like the Coyotes have been having at. Uh, uh, gallerina there they've had some fans it's it's typical arizona though they just you just can't tell there's people in there cousin denver wilson he uh snapped out the other day he was taken off he's on a 14 day road trip he's the equipment manager for the phoenix coyotes and uh or the arizona coyotes pardon me and uh so i figured they must have been emptying out to bring the dirt in so
0: it'll yeah, be good. Fucking right. it'll be good. yeah scott we've yeah, had, had some fun there hey
1: that. oh my god tanner <laughs> Yes, we have. Yes, yeah. we have. That was actually one of the funnest family cousin because we had my boys and Jesse and you and God, we had a good time.
0: We had yeah, good we time. do. I and was doing guys... PR work.
1: PR, yeah. Okay, so you went to a ball game for sure. Yeah, with the Cactus League yeah. games. Yeah, No, yeah,
0: we did a whole bunch of that shit. We went. To, I was doing a bunch of different stuff for a bunch of different teams, and then I think it was a Texas Rangers game. I got to throw the first pitch out and had Texas, and, and was it the uh, Cubs too? I can't remember what it was. You want to talk about nerve-wracking fucking experiences, fucking? All bad. I know Throwing is he that didn't. Sucker.
1: Yeah, the ball didn't make a home plate. Shut what? up! Yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, it did. Did. Oh, I was, I was so
0: practicing bad. all afternoon because I could play ball pretty fucking. We grew up playing ball, so I was hoping that I could fucking play ball. That well, would suck
1: so. if you oh, yeah. launched one into the stands.
0: Yes, that would embarrass me. I, I think you and, our, that, uh,
1: you and our podcast play ball together.
0: Uh, no, well, just like hockey. hanging out and shit. We played hockey together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. a good intro for our, for our guest today. NHL hockey player, really good friend of mine since fucking day one. Uh, Josh Manson, we got on today. That's going to be a pretty cool one. He's big, tough, uh, PA boy making it in the big leagues. Uh, we got some cool stories from back in the day into now. So it's, it's going to be fun to chat with him. Nice. He
1: he obviously excelled a little better on the ice than you. Hey, Just
0: oh, he's saying. a little, little better. Yeah, a little tougher, a <laughs> little sk- more skilled, uh, better passing, better at shooting. Uh yes.
1: And his uh, backward skating has really improved. Yeah, he could cross <laughs> over
0: backwards. Yeah. No. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. yeah oh. He's pretty good. So that'll be fun to uh be fun to have him on here right away. Um one thing I wanted to say to everybody is we won't be back before St. Patrick's Day. So to our viewers, happy St. Patrick's Day. It's going
1: to be a Oh, may the luck of the Irish be with you. Huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. If you do plan on getting lucky, you got to shave your balls. Right, Phyllis? <laughs> That's Is
1: right. That right? That's oh, right.
0: Yes. One. Get yourself yeah. some manscaped, right? Support for the NFP podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped took this up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their perfect package 3.0 kit. The best part, completely waterproof. So yeah, in the yeah, here, yeah. Oh, yeah sold on it. Get it, get it done. If you're going to get lucky with the luck of the Irish, make sure you're groomed. And ready for whatever comes your way. So get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code NFP twenty at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code NFP twenty. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with
1: Manscaped. Capital NFP.
0: NFP twenty.
1: Unlike we usually do, yes. So are you saying that you can't nick yourself with those things like the old fashioned razors where it saw the bottom of your bag off?
0: So, I don't know. Geez. I mean, I'm. I'm sure you too could if you, get, information, if, you so, get, if you get. Too information. Too much. Fairly aggressive. I'm sure you could. Wow. But uh, I, I used it today, and I and I was and I was good to go. Oh, uh,
1: again, too much. <laughs> no <Nick's.
0: laughs> Too much info. No nicks. <laughs> uh, smooth oh. as a baby's bottom. I'm telling <laughs> where it's at. Manscaped. Oh okay, God. Right. Okay. If you can, hey,
1: if you can't have fun and fucking speak the truth <laughs> on the hashtag NFP podcast, where in the fuck can you?
0: That's right. Yeah,
1: That's true. true.
0: One shout out before I forget, before we go to our interview, uh Coy Robbins did the mental toughness challenge uh the last I don't know when it was, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in support of the Ty Pause Bond Foundation. And this was fucking wild, man. So it's four by four by 48. <laughs> So you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So in 48 hours, he ran 48 miles and did it. Didn't, didn't stop. He was eating and, and, uh, trying to keep his fluids in him and trying to get as much sleep as he could over those 48 hours. Just a total grueling experience. He raised $3,600 through donations for the type was foundation and, just, uh, just such a cool experience. The, it's the David Goggins Challenge, if you want to look it up. And it's all about mental toughness and pushing yourself past the point of what you actually think you can push yourself to. So get to that limit and then fucking get past it and keep rolling it koi did that and i think that's it's going to be huge for him i think too mentally to, to be able yeah. to get that done and it was wild i was following along on on social medias and uh donating whatever i could to, to the type Posbon foundation in support of him and it was just amazing to see what koi did there
1: he's a good kid and you know what he he was he was hit with injury you know a couple of years back and i think if we really got down to it he's been kind of struggling with that getting back in mm-hmm. and uh like you said at Tanner, I think this is going to be the one that that's going to prove to himself that he can, he push, can past push anything. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah. You
0: and bet. he was talking good about struggling. He was talking about struggles and, and struggling with mental health and um, through all those in, injuries and, and having to sit at home and surgeries and uh, everything on top of that, you know, and, and uh, this, this David Goggins, he said, has helped him. And when this challenge came up, he knew that he, he had to do it and prove it to himself. And and to the world that he can take and take on any challenge and yeah it's pretty cool so uh, if you want to go on on his Facebook you can check that out and you can still donate to the to the Type Posbon Foundation um, in that fundraiser so good on Koi. we're we're proud of him and, and happy to have done that in other news uh, Walter Gretzky passed away uh, yeah. the ultimate dad of hockey so that was a that was a big one for for those that don't know uh, Wayne Gretzky the greatest hockey player of all time in Canada. His father uh, passed away. So big one here in in Canada and across the world and thinking of that whole family. Okay, we'll throw it now to our interview with the one and only Josh Manson. Oh, what a hit
1: by Manson. Dickinson just wiped out by Manson. A great hit by Manson. Finds a man in front. Manson scores! His first NHL goal.
0: Our guest today is the assistant captain of the Anaheim Ducks, drafted in 2011, standing at 6'3, 390 NHL games played, 97 points, 352 penalty minutes. Hailing from the metropolis of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada, the Prince Albert PWAA Cosmo Ice captain. The legend, <laughs> my friend, number 42, Josh Manson. Josh, up, <laughs> uh, brother. Nothing,
2: nothing. That's a heck of an intro. You said 6'2, and then you went 390. And I thought you were gonna say my weight. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. We haven't seen each other in a while, but I'm not not quite that big. <laughs> doing doing well, though, man. Doing well. I'm excited to be here with you guys.
0: Good. We're glad to have you, man. Really glad to have you on the show. Uh Big big hockey player, big NHL guy like yourself. It's pretty cool to see you you have had some injuries the last little bit. Where are you at right now uh, with everything that's going on?
2: Yeah, I uh, I tore my oblique there about uh, seven weeks ago, I think it is now. Uh, so I just got back, played a couple games in the weekend, and um, you know, fighting it a little bit with the uh, the body. You know, you come back from a long injury like that, you gotta you gotta kind of push through a couple things. So. Working through it right now, and um, I'll be back, uh, back going again here shortly. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. 20, 20
1: games. I think you missed. Is that a sounder about right, Josh? Yeah,
2: it'd be right around there. I think because I, I, it was the third game of the season. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. You lose, you lose a week in this schedule, and it's like four games. Like, yeah, you know. Whereas in regular season, you miss four weeks or whatever, and it's you know 10 games or however many it is like you did just the games getting so crammed together like this you lose so much time well and when you talk about losing the
1: time um you know and, and everybody else is playing and the and the pace of the game is getting quicker obviously uh what was that first one back like that was
2: uh was that saturday your first one back friday 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 yeah we did back to back friday feel? saturday i actually felt great friday felt great i was i wanted to test it early so i wanted to get a couple hits in and and uh, so I I did that, and then when I woke up Saturday, I was I felt like I was in a body bag. I was, <laughs> <at this laughs> I yeah. The and then I went muscles
0: you haven't used in a while. Oh
2: man, yeah. And then in the altitude, no less, like in, oh yeah, in Colorado, yeah. You get you get extended in Colorado, and you feel it big time. So Saturday was a tough one, and then I woke up Sunday, and I I did not feel good. I had the second day soreness going, um, as I'm sure you know all about.
0: Yeah. um, How was the back?
2: So back it, it felt fine. Oh, there man. was it, I had other issues going on. It was good. You guys,
1: you guys know about the two day. I, I I'm the second day on a hangover. I find uh, the second day after booze yeah. it's the tough one. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I can we're relate somewhat to now. what you two are talking about. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, um, we'll get into the hockey stuff in a minute, but I want to go back um, a lot of years now from when you were a kid, and um, what a lot of people probably don't know uh, is your dad. Played in the NHL, was one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Played for 17 years in the NHL. So you grew up going from city to city, got traded around quite a bit. What was that like as a, as a young man? Is it too early to remember? Or do you remember kind of times of, of being a kid with an NHL dad and, and living all in these different places and with all these different teams with these cool NHL guys? Yeah, I, I
2: remember everything. I mean, for the most part, did I understand what was going on? Not really. I mean, we just kind of cruised and my parents made the, made the best of the situations wherever we went, but, um, it was just like, no, we're going to another city. Oh, we went back to Saskatchewan for the summertime. And then when we turn around, it was okay, we're going to this place and this is your new school. And my my parents did a great job of just kind of making it normal for us. And, um, but I didn't quite understand that my dad was in the NHL and, you know, what he'd accomplished already throughout his career. And, um, just the magnitude of everything, you know, you you don't really understand it as a kid, Uh, especially now that I've been, you know, this far in my career and, and um, see the things that he's accomplished, how how impressive uh, it is. It is to me, especially Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't understand it at all. I wish I would have, I wish I would have been able to look around and kind of soak everything in a little bit more, but uh, I think that's just part of being a kid.
0: Yeah. Fucking right. So what about in those days? You have, you've told stories of like hanging with Tiger Woods or, or walking golf courses with Tiger Woods, yeah. Phil Mickelson. Like, uh, like you say, you probably didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back, how amazing is that? Pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, huh?
2: That's, that's the cool stuff. I mean, so yeah, to, to touch on that, we, so in Chicago, my dad knew a guy named Bob Verdi who wrote for golf magazine. I think it was, uh, Bob's an awesome, awesome guy. Actually, when we played in Chicago, every time we go there, I would see him kind of floating around, um, United center. And I had talked to him a little yeah. bit. Awesome, awesome guy. But he got us out on the driving range one day and we met, I met tiger out there, got a picture with him, And then, uh, I think it was in the pro am somewhere. We, Phil was on a par three and, uh, I walked the whole course with him and bones or walked the whole hole with him and bones and got up on the green and we were reading the putt, whatever. And he's telling me like now that obviously now that everybody sees Phil with the social media and how well he understands <laughs> yeah. the game and he talks everything through. Right. So, I want the green with him. And and he's saying, Oh, I think it's gonna break left right. What do you think? I said, I said, Yeah, it looks like it's going left, right. I'm like, Eight, nine, I don't even know, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I understood that a putt would break. And he goes, Yeah, you look at this hill over here. You see the way the grains are running, you see the hill. I think that's gonna carry it over a little bit this way. And then you look at this. Now I feel your feet, it's doing this. And he's talking through the whole thing. <laughs> well, sure enough, he freaking this must have been a 20 footer. He he steps up and he nails it, like drills oh, it right in the man. center, picks it up. He's like, Good read, and give me the ball.
0: <laughs> no and then way. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: sign sign the uh sign the glove and everything. I was, I think we have a picture of me like sitting on his bag. Like they laid his bag down and bones was like, Hey, pop squat, you know? So I sat on his bag around the green
0: Oh um, and stuff
2: like that. Like super cool, super, super cool stuff. Um, uh, we were very, I was very privileged to do that. was, that was things that we got to do that. I'm sure lots of other kids didn't. And uh, I understood that more than I understood the hockey, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then when, so he retires, uh, like 17 years that uh, you now playing in the NHL, that's, that's such a huge feat, right? There's, oh. there's like, how many games did he play? I don't even know.
2: Eleven hundred. Wow. Yeah. Eleven hundred and twelve. And I mean yeah, wasn't easy on game. himself.
0: Like played hard in the paint, right? Like yeah. that's that's pretty amazing to look back on that. You must have huge respect for your dad and that time, yeah.
2: right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, what did you say? I was at three ninety.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm not much of a stats guy, but that's <laughs> what I picked
2: <think> up. <laughs> I'm at 390, and I mean, I, I couldn't. 1100 games. It's especially the way he plays. You know, I've tried yeah, to play tough minutes, eight, eight, tough, tough minutes, minutes. And, he, and back in the day, you know, he wasn't just rolling 15, 15 minutes a night. He was rolling 25, 30, from what I've heard. So, yeah, um, and sometimes dropping the gloves twice. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe well, there's, there's 10 minutes in the box right there, though. He right? <laughs> needed
1: a breather. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's how you got to rest back in the day, I guess. Yeah. Eh?
1: when um, did that cool. For you, Josh, when, um, you know, you obviously your parents made it as normal as possible and whatnot. But when did you uh, growing up, did you realize like your dad was kind of a badass, like his nickname is Charlotte? charlie manson like that's you just don't get a handle like that if you're uh you know if you're not someone to reckon with
2: yeah it's funny you say that i've, I've really never thought about that question before until just now but i think the moment that i realized he was kind of a, a tough guy you know not to be trifled with kind of thing was when we moved back to pa and everybody in pa was oh your dad. know oh, they talk about stories you know growing up or whatever their encounters with them or stuff like that that was kind of when i realized that he was uh
0: um, yeah. That's pretty tough, cool, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that's Yeah. It. So, so, speaking of that, so you you guys, uh, once he retires after 17 years, you guys move back to Prince Albert. You move back to Christopher Lake, where the uh, family home uh, where you guys always hang your hat and spent the summers. Uh, dad starts coaching for the Raiders. Mom buys Extreme Pita. You guys are staples in the community around Prince Albert. You grow up. Um, playing hockey actually Josh kind of grew up fucking being good at everything that he did and hockey really wasn't number one on your radar in those years right?
2: No no I mean I wouldn't say I was good at everything I did but I just I hockey would. wasn't it I would, I would say <laughs> <you> were, <laughs> he was fucking good <laughs> at everything one of those guys
0: <laughs> okay, okay, better I than I was better than I was know. anyway I'll tell you I, that.
2: Mean, <laughs> I, I think you were a more highly touted hockey player than I was when you were my age Oh, I, God, I, God, think, no. I think so because you, no. you played at the double <laughs> you played on the double a team every year as a first year with me and I never yeah. made the double a team my first year I was always l- lucky because I played in um Shelbrook my first year as a as a yeah, first yeah. year otherwise I wouldn't have made the double a team then the next year we had the two teams in Bantam it was the uh oh it was it the pirates and it was the uh was it the mintos
0: i don't know i can't remember. i don't know I- something Anyway, I only so made I it, on that, only but made I always it, played with you in the second you? year because yeah. you were good. <laughs> you're my only friend. So I was like, Well, I have to play good because I have <laughs> nobody else to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. um, you
1: left Tanner quit.
0: Yeah, yeah you <laughs> never because
1: you didn't. Did you draft to the Bantam draft, Josh? No, no, no.
2: I wasn't even. Sniffed. No one picked Jay. No, <laughs> isn't that something? Yeah, I wasn't even close. I, I was, uh, I went to the Raider camps and yeah, uh, when I was, I don't even know, 16, maybe 15, 16, and they told me I was you know whatever and you're not blah 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 I actually got told I was spare parts I forget who told me it I wish no I, way I wish I, oh yeah oh, you should, should get that name parts. for us we're gonna get him on the pod and we're just I gonna know. rip the shit oh, out of I it. got a couple I got a couple guys who uh, who didn't believe in me very much when I was growing up I could uh, I could I know a couple names but did that did that, did that fuel you did that fuel you
1: Josh or was it your yeah. dad being an NHL or what I, and I've been through this with guys. I see where some guys, you know, you're a sixth round pick. I can go back to Michael Furlan. You know, he was a fifth round. Look at Mark Stone, same year. He was yeah. picked in the next round. The guy's going to make a hundred million when he's done playing hockey. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter where you get picked. I don't know how many times I've told that story, but prior to that, you having your name called national hockey league draft by the Anaheim Ducks. When did you think, you know, like, i can do this i i can prove these guys wrong like when did you take that step like you felt you you made that step
2: when i was in juniors and i switched to defense and uh so i was a forward right up until i was 19 whatever my second year junior i switched to defense that whole so time i had one year in salmon arm as a forward my first year was a forward in salmon arm yeah oh, my whole okay. yeah i was a i was a d-man up until peewee maybe First year Pee Wee, and then I switched to Ford with the with the Cosmo Ice, as Tanner said. Fuck
0: yeah. We yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then uh, I was a Ford from then on out. And then my second year in juniors, I think it was like 11 games in. Like the coach asked me to play D. And uh, that was when I started getting calls from schools. And then all of a sudden one day it was uh, it was one of the Duck Scouts. I was talking to one of the Duck Scouts after the games, and then got a call from, you know, Toronto was calling and Boston was calling, whatever it was. And that was when I was like, "Holy smokes, man! Maybe I can, maybe I can do something with this," you know. Uh, and then going to college, I was a little, little, cocky, arrogant. I'm not arrogant, I'm gonna say, but I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be here for a year." I got drafted, and then I'm coming out, and, and that was a little bit of humble pie, you know. Staying there for three years, realizing that I needed to get a lot better. Um, but I would definitely say juniors was kind of like when I, I realized, like, okay, I this isn't it. just. Uh, let's just try and. Figured out, or whatever's going to happen to happen. Like, hey, I can, I can actually, there's a goal here. Like, I can actually make this goal.
0: And you got a lot bigger, right? When you, when you moved back yeah. to D. I remember your dad always making fun of us because he said we looked like we swallowed bird cages. Swallowed a bird just, cage. Yeah, <laughs> <it was just laughs> like skin and bones. Well, here but, uh, I'm looking at
1: these. It looks like you put up more points as a D man as you did as a I, forward. So, ah, yeah, I can see the coach's
2: point. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was weird, man. I went back to defense and all of a sudden the points started coming. Um, yeah, it worked. And then and then so that was like the offensive side. I didn't really figure out the defense, but I was a good enough skater and played the power play in juniors, right? And then I went to went to college and I had to learn to be the defensive the defensive defenseman. And uh, coming out of college, I, I did just that. I felt felt good coming to college, learning how to, you know, defend my zone really well. And, and it was kind of the perfect balance. So well. three years of college, correct? Yeah. Three years yeah. at Northeastern University.
1: How did you because we see how you play now we love it like your chip off the old block there um from your dad but how because ncaa hockey isn't like junior like the western league or even bc junior like you you guys got to mind your p's and q's a bit and i bet you our audience doesn't realize that but there's some tough suspensions or strict rules if you guys are fighting and whatnot in, in ncaa hockey correct
2: yeah, there is. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no fighting in college, and obviously you wear cages, right? There's no visors. It's all cages. Um, so it was a bit of an adjustment. I mean, the the fighting aspect. Everybody it wasn't really that big of guys in college. The Hockey East, the league that I played in, is more like little water bugs. You know, they're all just super skilled, Johnny Yeah, well, I played against Johnny for three years. He was oh,
1: pretty, really?
2: Pretty. Oh, yeah. Him yeah. and uh, Kevin Hayes. Nice. Um, or on the line Oh the no kidding point. Well Kev, yeah.
1: Hayes is a big dude But also Tell us about Did you see your matchup All the time
2: uh, The first year I never matched up Against him I don't think Till the end of the year And then I, from then on out I was matched up Against him always Yeah they tried Tried to anyway
1: Right so, Did yeah. you
2: have his number uh, I, I mean I thought so A lot of nights But a lot of nights No <laughs> He's a <laughs> pretty know, special player Yeah Yes. Yes. Yeah. He is, he is. I remember, I remember it was one game and I was I was all over him. I felt like I was covering him really well the whole game. Um, uh, and then it's like a one-on-one going wide. I keep him all the way wide. He gets to like below the goal line. Um, and he just throws one. And it, it's like throws him from below the goal line, hits our goalie skate and goes in. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. like you know, <laughs> I'm doing my best here. like Give, uh, me, give, me, a give break. me a break. Like, what what yeah. I got to do.
1: Now uh, I get a dash because my goalie sucked yeah
0: okay uh josh before we get too far down the line here um i do have to go back because um i was going through my memory bank of maybe it's like some high school memories of us and oh boy uh, you know it's just some different stuff um do you remember uh when we were walking back from the kfc and i threw a full yeah oh it's the worst you threw what what did you do (laughs)
2: middle middle of winter middle of winter like in saskatchewan <laughs> I've got a nice white hoodie on,
0: yeah, beautiful
2: sweater whatever it is. We walk from Carlton down to the KFC to get. I don't know, maybe it was Tuny Tuesday or something. Who knows? Yeah, Probably Tuny Tuesday. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Like athletes, I like hearing this. Yeah, know, right. keep going. yeah. We're yeah. specimens, <laughs> and uh, we get Boom. we're leaving, walking our way back, <laughs> middle of winter, and Tanner's got his full cup of you know two liter coke, whatever it is in the thing. And I'm walking a little bit ahead of, of, of him with, I don't know who it was. And all of a sudden the, my back just gets drilled. And I thought it was a snowball. I thought he hit me with a snowball <laughs> in the back. And everybody's like laughing, you know, like kind of in shock a little bit too. And I freaking looked at my sweater, my white sweater. a whole back was covered in Coke. He, This idiot threw his two liter Coke at me in the this middle idiot. of winter not not even near the school like this this was like right after we left kfc it wasn't even like hey we're almost at school like this is a joke you can leave your sweater in the car we still had to walk all the way back to school he drilled me with this thing and i think i don't even know what i, did. I don't know if i chased him down the alleyway or what i was rat-
0: no, one of the nine thousand times that you chased me down and beat me up but uh, i never beat but the, you up, the worst but- was the worst was when you like you had to go back to school with, <laughs> with this cold call i mean you know like you're trying to we're trying to be cool. You're in high school, like you know, Like the social I can.
1: If the people are listening, you might want to tune into YouTube in this and just look at Josh's face here. It's true. Now I know, uh, you know the old saying: when the rapper comes off the nutty bar. If I ever yeah. see that look when I'm in the same room as you, Josh, I think I might back away a bit.
0: <laughs> oh, I was always gonna trigger that one. I had one more yes. too. Like <laughs> <This> <laughs> guy could trigger that. Like see, you well, I, I not believe. I could, I could, I could talk about it because, um, you know, like when the wires cross or you know when when the train goes off the tracks. But I can talk about it because I have the exact same thing. Yeah, same just snap, problem, snap, exactly. lose it. I just wasn't near as tough as as you were. Or as I as don't as, know. I don't just lose it. But oh, what? Do you remember
2: when we were we were in the basement of uh, Andy's Andrew's place, and we we're playing mini sticks or something like that, and we started like not. It was like sticks and gloves, right, or helmets and gloves, and mm. we're like messing around, messing around, <laughs> and all of a sudden Tanner throws this right hook like out <laughs> of nowhere, uncalled for, and just. <laughs> cleans me like right on the cheek and it like kind of like knocked me for a second and then like we said the wires touched i got up and, and and uh and he we like lock eyes like this and he turns and runs for the stairs to go upstairs and i, I grab the blocker and i throw the blocker as hard as i can and it puts a hole in the drywall downstairs. Oh, yeah. and and little andrew is in the middle he's young then he's in the yep. middle of it he's like, are you guys crazy? He's like, my dad's <laughs> going to be so pissed. There's a hole in the <laughs> oh,
1: How did yeah. you guys uh, manage to actually build a relationship oh. fighting so much? Like, it doesn't sound like uh, you're that nice to each other. Because we were the uh, same person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was like,
2: exactly. was yeah. Same we understood first. each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember one time at a at a high school party, I used to, well, I mean, hopefully i have grown out of it now, but I probably still do it quite a bit, but drink way too much and just lose all composure. And I remember just trashing this basement one time and running around and thinking I was the coolest guy in the in the county. And uh <laughs> out of the side, like right like from my blind side, just blue 42. Whoa, boom. And you can, you've seen the videos of Josh on YouTube and um, when he grabs somebody and throws them around. Well, I mean, just about knocked me out. I don't know. It, it was a wild one though. And just it, blue 42 kaboom. Just, yeah, okay, I'm done guys. Gotta go. You Gotta go. Straight, I'll, exp- you were I'll straight explain the story.
2: I'll explain the story a little bit more. Yeah, let's get the truth. We're at, well, at the time, yeah. my girlfriend's house at the time. Yep. Um, and no names. We won't mention no any names. No. There's copyright issues. Yeah. We yeah. can't get into that. And, and Tanner was being an idiot. Doing what? his thing. Like, you know, you know how, like, tanner is being tanner drunk obviously (laughs) and he must be drinking whiskey or something i don't know and uh he's running his mouth running his mouth and we get and he's out on the lawn and we're like okay tanner just go home like just tanner just go home and he's still mouthing off cussing and swearing and then he starts like running around and i and i kind of Timed one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I and I went low. I went for the hips like this oh, yeah. and took them and took them to ground.
0: The one thing that I do remember about those days also is you used to drive around in the sickest Volkswagen Jetta known to man back in <laughs> yeah. those days. Yeah, you've uh, you've signed some good contracts there, do a little better for yourself. What do you uh what are you driving now? Do you upgrade or you do you still got the the Jetta or uh, maybe a souped up version of a Jetta? Or what do you got no. going on yeah. now?
2: <laughs> I got the diesel. <laughs> No. <laughs> no i got uh i got a tesla i went full california boy
0: you did hey how is yeah. it
2: you know what man i was looking uh so at first i bought a uh mercedes i bought like a mercedes car and i was like oh this thing is fast it's sweet whatever and uh oh, i was driving to the rink and i'd sit in traffic and it was like 40 minutes and my butt would fall asleep i started yeah. losing the feeling in my leg and i'm like, <laughs> "Okay." I can't. That's what you need to
1: get it. into the rink. Hey? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So I was like, I gotta get rid of this thing. So I got rid of it, and I was like, I'm buying an SUV. I was like, I, I would get a truck, but I can't driving the truck down here is just a little too tough, you know, um, doable, but just not necessary to have a truck. So I'm get an SUV. So I go and I was touring all these SUVs, and and one of these the guys that guys the, the Tesla he's like a big Ducks fan. Good, he's a buddy of mine that we'd go golfing together. Right, that's how I met him. Yeah. So I go and I I do the Tesla test drive. And he throws this thing in autopilot on the highway.
0: Yeah.
2: He's like, yeah, just double tap the button and then just let it go. And I'm sitting back and the thing is driving itself and following the car in front of us. And he's like, yeah, I hit the lane change. So I hit the lane change and it moves over. And I'm like, sold like this. Are you kidding <laughs> me? I'm going to, I went from losing feeling in my legs on the way to the rink to now I don't even need to touch a steering wheel the whole way to the rink. They're having a nap. They're having yeah, exactly. a nap on the exactly, way to the rink. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. that, that sold me. So ever since then, and it's perfect for me, right? Like, charge it a little bit, drive to the rink. We have charges at the rink too. Charge oh, when I get to the awesome. rink. Gives yeah. me enough to get home. So yeah, it's perfect. It's everything um all I need out here. Definitely.
0: So we'll get back to it. We'll get past high school, although we probably have a million more stories that people oh, would like. Wait, oh you got I one. You got one? one? No, oh. no, you i have One more story.
1: Come <laughs> on, let's hear it Josh. I have one more this story. This was supposed
0: to be like a roast on Josh and now it's no, the fucking no. roast on me. No <laughs> so this one's kind
2: of, this one's like a little bit on me, but it's just funny on you. Yeah. So we're we're in carlton parking lot and i have my jetta that tanner's just talking about right and uh it's a standard it's an auto, the standard yeah so i'm sitting waiting to turn right coming out of the parking lot and there's like four or five cars backed up because it's lunchtime and the car in front of me is uh my buddy our buddy mitch Mezenchuk, and he's got (laughs) this white honda civic and uh so he's mitch is right in front of me right we're all waiting to turn right and uh this kid pulls up in the lane next to me and it's another buddy that we know. And he just got his license. So I'm like looking at him and I'm like, Hey, congrats, man. Like good job. Right. And I see a car move like kind of out of my peripheral. So I think I'm good to go. So I put it in gear and, you know, pop the clutch, whatever, and smooth as I can be. And I jerk driving forward and friggin' Mitch didn't move. So I hammer the back of Mitch's civic like hammered the back of this thing. And, Little that, I'm like, okay, well, at least it's Mitch, right? So I'm thinking, whatever, Mitch is going to get out. <laughs> out flies Tanner out of the passenger seat. Oh, my neck. Oh. <laughs> he's screaming in pain, like his back, like he's doing the back thing like this. <laughs> his lawyer on like, speed dial. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> going at me, like. <laughs> oh, making a scene yeah it was pretty funny middle, uh, middle yeah carlton
0: that parking uh, lot high school parking lot yeah oh yeah. we thought we were so damn cool too civics and jettas and just <laughs> fucking look out ladies here we come <laughs> I,
2: I was laughing i was laughing because when you guys had kelly taylor on he was telling stories about how he'd park in the middle yeah of the uh of the intersection there and just cause a ruckus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. only <laughs> in PA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, good time. You go from junior uh, and you go to Boston. You played Fenway Park. You played a hockey game in Fenway Park. That's is that stand out to you as something pretty cool?
2: Yeah, it was really cool. So I did it twice. I did my first year. Um, we played BC there, and it was unbelievable. Like perfect, super cold a little bit of snow, like kind of floating down. My dad came out with uh, his good buddy, Marvin Desarmo and uh, we watched, we got some pictures in the outfield in front of the green monster. It was, it was oh, unbelievable. Awesome. Uh, we lost the game, but I mean, whatever. So cool. And then the, uh, the second time we did it rained, went out for warmups and there was like, they tried to flood the ice and it wasn't cold enough to freeze. Oh, so we just had this layer of water. I was taking shots uh. from the point that weren't even making it to the top of the circle. Like they were just going along the ice and getting stuck. So they like scraped it all off and whatever it was, um, it was super, super muggy. So we ended up being able to play, but like the ice was bad. Your pants were full of water. It was so heavy. Your skates were heavy. It's not as good of an experience, but we won that game. So, I mean, that one made it better.
0: Yeah. Would the winter classics be something that that you would want to play in at some point or does that excite you? Like they look cool from on TV, but I don't know, like a guy in the game, would that be something that you'd want to do?
2: I mean, for sure. It's, it's just a cool experience. You know, I'd like to do it on the NHL level. I did it in college, and like college, you know, you can only take it to a certain level
0: yeah.
2: um, for this. I mean, the setup. Obviously, Fenway Park is probably one of the best places in my mind. I think you could play um, as a venue, just super cool oh, venue. Oh, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to do it somewhere else one day. We might, be, have, to, we might have to
1: get you traded to get I don't know if Anaheim would be on the top <laughs> yeah. of Gary's list for yeah. an outdoor
2: game. <laughs> yes. I don't think so either. I know we had the battle, the uh LA and Anaheim one, they did it before I got here at the the stadium series. I think it was a Dodgers Stadium they did it. Oh, cool. Um, I know that. But that was before I got here. But doing something
0: again like that'd be pretty cool. Hey, do you still have um a fucking pet snake. This guy in high school had a pet snake. Does anybody know anybody that has pet snakes?
1: <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, one. Chad Pegan. But you're not know, surprised <laughs> to hear that. But yeah, why?
2: Uh, why? Like that was uh, reptiles when you are a kid. I don't know, man. I go through phases. I went through this phase <laughs> where I went to the fair and I was work. I was volunteering and I worked in like the reptile place and I was holding these snakes and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I got one. I treated that thing well, man. Yeah, you did. So, would yeah. you throw a live mouse in there or a dead one? No, when they're bit when dead ones, they're, when they're small, you'd give them uh, like a little. They're called pinky mice. It's like a baby mouse, and it's frozen. And you'd have to thaw it, and then they they eat that thing. Every, whenever that was one thing everybody loved. Whenever everybody came over, they'd ask if I would if the snake feed was the mouse feeding, and then you the do the thing, or... and they'd yeah, and they loved it. It was yeah. pretty
0: cool actually, but no, it was yeah. filthy. It was no, filthy. It was in college for a few years. You're drafted to the Ducks. How does it conspire where you get called up and get to the point where you're at now today as the assistant captain of the Anaheim Ducks? I mean, um, crazy how, how things happened and, and you show it on the ice of, of why you deserve it every single day. But how was, how was your rise to the top from that, from that college, university level uh, into the AHL and then eventually into the NHL?
2: I mean, it was a it was a learning process the whole way through, you know? But it, in the back of my mind, it was never like, I'm not going to make the NHL. I, I don't think I ever had that. But I also never put the pressure on myself. Besides that first year coming into college, my expectation was I'm going to go in here for a year and then leave. As soon as I got through that, that first, I want to say like a month and a half of college where I ate, I ate a lot of like humble pie there and figured it out. Then I, I stopped putting pressure on myself and I just went in every single day to work and mm-hmm. I knew the things that I needed to do. I started figuring out my game, how I needed to play to become a pro and, and a lot of credit to my, my coaches there. They kind of forced me into that role, uh, of what the player that I needed to be to make the NHL. And that was it. Once I started doing that and figuring things out, I started getting my strength. You know, I, I put on a lot of weight, um, my second, uh, second to third year there in college. I think I, I think I went into college at like six, one, maybe six two one ninety. 190. Yeah. And when I left college, I was six two, six three, two twenty-five. Like yeah. yeah, that's a lot of Fucking
0: and you can move food.
1: with that weight. That that makes a yeah. big difference as a yeah. as a guy on the blue line. So I, I could see how that would and you'd have that confidence with that size too, you know. Because, exactly. And you and you'll be able to attest to this, Josh. Like the American League, you know, that's there's some there's grown men. You're playing with guys that you know that are 10 years older than you you can't uh, you can't be soft in that league or there's no chance that's it's it's like the 16 year old year in junior hockey for some of these kids you know they've always been put up on a pedestal by their previous coaches their parents and the first time they ever have any adversity is at 16 if they make the whl and they don't get to play and it's you know it's 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 hard for them they struggle and I see the same thing happening with 20 and 21-year-olds going into the American League where it's it's not an easy transition from junior where you're the boss out there, right? And then you step into American Hockey League game and, and you're not anymore. You're you're just the guy on the bench right now until you prove something. I, and I wanted to ask you this question about a, a coach or an you know somebody that you really think back on that helped you make that step. Playing in the NHL is that's the greatest league in the world. That's an accomplishment in itself. But I, I firmly believe if you get to play a number of games in the American league, you've proved that's second best league in the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, when I came out of college and I went into the American league, it was immediately noticeable. Like everybody, when you hit, when I hit guys in college, it was like, They didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. I I could, I could hit it, blowing them up. Yeah, and and I just, it just didn't hurt. Like I could do whatever, you know. I could play tough. I could play physical. There's no consequences really. And then when you go to the American League, now things change. Now you're playing against the big, big men, who, you know, some have families to feed, mouths to feed, Mm -hmm. things like that. Right. That's their living. They're trying to make a living playing hockey and getting to the NHL. So your eyes get opened a little bit, right? And uh, that was a big, a big adjustment for me, but I had already started playing that physical role in college. So when I came in. I just kind of, I still had that, but I contained it a little bit more. Uh, hadn't fought in a while. So I had to figure out kind of, yeah, I guess my I didn't know that, and that and there was that. no yeah. fighting
0: in college hockey. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I had to do that a little bit, but you got gotten some like, good
0: ones in the AHL too.
2: I don't know how many got I had a couple in the HL, yeah.
0: Some good ones. There's some good YouTube videos that I like to watch. I watch your dad's oh, yeah. videos and I watch your videos. There's some <laughs> there's some salty scraps. That
2: was that was back when I had the weight coming into college when you're working out four times a week. Yeah. Just doing bench press and squats with your trainer <laughs>
0: being a <your> creatine. <laughs> Did you get to the NHL? Faster than you thought you would from the AHL. Did you expect to spend some more time in the AHL before you got the call up?
2: Truthfully, I thought I was going to be in the AHL for a little bit longer. Yeah, I thought I I didn't want to put the pressure on myself like I did coming into college, right? So I was thinking, okay, I'll go into the AHL, I'll cut my teeth a little bit, figure out the game, I'll figure out exactly how I need to how I need to play to make it to the NHL. And uh, luckily enough, I played that last you know the playoffs or whatever in the AHL, and the next year I came into camp and actually I think I broke my pinky. I broke my pinky in a fight in exhibition game in camp. So I never really got a full camp under my belt. Yep. Went to the American league um, and started playing and I, and I was playing well. I, I thought anyway, I, I was just a solid defenseman kind of doing my thing out there, playing physical, getting up the ice, joining the play, felt fresh. And uh, that was when the mumps was going through the NHL. I don't know, Jason, if you remember that, but the mumps was going through the NHL
1: Yeah,
2: and uh, and we had, Two guys go down with the mumps, and then uh, Ben Loveju, I broke his hand in a fight against San Jose. And I got the call up like in October, and because I, I'd been playing well, and we went lost a righty D, and it was just so many injuries. I was so fortunate, right? So it yep. kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I think I was expecting to stay down, but I went up and I and I got in you know a fight or two, whatever it was, played decently well, and uh, stuck around for a little bit, and then the next year made it out of camp. So yeah, I, I just, it was just the right progression for me. And I honestly I found it a little bit easier playing in the NHL because guys are in positions and then in the minors guys just kind of, they're, they're more looking out for themselves a little bit more and not as structured. So you have yeah. a little bit harder time as a defenseman. Who's always trying to get the puck off his stick to find somewhere to go with it. Whereas in the NHL, yeah, the guys are on you quicker, but a lot of times everybody wants the puck. Your forwards want the puck. They want to make something happen with that puck. So they're always looking to get the puck. And I was fortunate when I came in as well, we had a really good team of veteran forwards that knew the position in the defensive zone and were always an option for you. So that made it a lot easier for me.
0: Oh, that's awesome. What were those guys like? You know what I mean? Like as a kid oh. and you don't know any of them and you're starstruck by these guys that you watched on TV all the fucking time. Now yeah. you're in the well, locker they, room with them. Well,
1: they probably all grew up watching fucking Josh's dad fight. So they think if this guy's half <laughs> a as tough, I'm, I'm going to treat him probably. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. You were a
0: guy, you were always a guy that, that um same as me, you didn't want to, you didn't want people to know who you were you wanted them to watch what you fucking did and then judge you on that same as same as me same as my brothers with the burn name in the rodeo world everybody thinks that you're given something and so then you're you're automatically going to make it and you had the same path as, as say I did where no I wasn't the fucking best guy I struggled a hell of a lot and what I did outside the out the arena or the rink once And then once you got there, you wanted to just prove that that your game is why you're there and no other reason for that, right? Exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You, you have to, you want to make your own name for yourself. And when I was coming in, I think the big thing was, oh, this is Dave Manson's son. This is Dave Manson's son. Oh, look, he he made it to the NHL. This is former NHL or Dave Manson's son. And you kind of got to make your own name for yourself a little bit that, you know, this is Josh Manson. Now his dad is Dave, you know, you're not just in living in. I don't want to say living in the shadow because I'm perfectly fine being, you know, in that that position of him because he was such a great player in my mind. Um, But you kind of got to make your own name for yourself, and that was something that you know figured out Mm -hmm. as I went. Type of player that I needed to be didn't have to be exactly the same way my dad played. So that's why in your second season
1: you just threw down with Milan Lucic. Son, (laughs) son, (laughs) what I'm going to just jump in (laughs) with both feet here. The Smokes Wagner kind of. From the side, kind of how you took out Tanner likely at that party, yeah. you know? And uh, you, you didn't even hesitate. You didn't even hesitate. You went right to him um, yeah. and handled yourself real well. But tell me, the wire's touching or what? You knew who you were grabbing a hold of right from, right from the start of that fight?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, well, Wags was my roommate in uh, the HL. I kind of came up. We are both drafted to the Ducks. We kind of came up a little bit through the development camps together. So he was one of my closer, closer friends. So I had a little bit of emotional attachment <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't want my friend getting hit like that.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, when I looked up, I, I saw it was him. But, I mean, Tanner can attest to this. When, when, when you get mad like that, you don't really think about who it is at first. Um, so I just kind of stood there not really thinking what I was going to do. And I always say this in every interview I give because he doesn't ha- – it was a preseason game. It was Milan Lucic. He's well-established in the NHL. Like, he doesn't need to fight. Yeah. Right. just coming in and he did and I I wouldn't have made the team everybody says oh you know regardless of the fight you know I think you would have made the team like that's what the coach the D D coach told me that year I don't know if it's true I you know I don't want to think that way I think that had a huge reason as to why I um, stuck out in people's minds because I think it caught a lot of people off guard even the guys on our team and on the bench you know caught him off guard right
1: oh for sure for sure I uh looking back like today I was looking at him and I was like I put the date to it and I'm like geez that's a lot that's six years ago you're just a kid yeah uh, that's well and and another one that stood out for me um and it was a good tilt it was Zach Cassian. um the next season that was a regular season game obviously in November but um, you know, Zach's no slouch either. So you're, you're probably, um, at that point, you had the confidence in yourself, in your ability, and you must feel in, uh, in your own skin that you can handle yourself with anybody in this league right now.
2: I mean, I, I think I was a different, I don't want to say I was a different player when I was 23 years old, but I was a little different. You know, I just came out of college and I was feeling really strong and fresh. I didn't have the injuries you know, that, that uh, 82 game season takes on you, the tolls that it takes on you. Um, I was a little dumb, you know, just kind of whatever happened. I I knew I I wanted to make my way in the league and I wanted to make a name for myself. Uh, So I, I wasn't, I didn't think as much about what I was doing, you know, as you get older, whether you admit it or not, you think your way through the game a lot differently than you did when you first came in. Yeah. Some for the better, some for the worse. Um, So I, I think if I was put in the position I would find a way to handle myself, but nowadays I won't try and put myself in the position as much if I don't need to. Right, I right. You know, yeah, what I, mean? yeah, that, I think, 100%, that, 100%. Yeah, I think that, that happens to a lot of guys as they, as they get through the league, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that casting fight, actually, I didn't know he was a lefty or else I knew and I forgot. And when we dropped the gloves, I came up and his oh. fist hit me square in the visor. <laughs> and I was I was thanking the Lord that that <laughs> visor was there at that moment in time because then I, I it kind of gave me one freebie. Otherwise, I would have ate that one early and I would probably would have dropped. Um, yeah. But he said it to me right after the fight. He's like, did I hit you in the visor?
0: And I was like, yeah, yeah you got me. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, you got me. So then you go. Like we stated, 300 and some games in the NHL. You establish yourself. You, you move up the ranks. You become an assistant captain of the Anaheim Ducks. What is that feeling like when, when that the coach or GM or who, who, how did that whole situation um, play out or does that mean anything to you?
2: No, it means, it means a lot to me. I mean, it's something that I've always prided myself on. Um, Like you said, being the captain of the Cosmo ice, um, Back in the day, <laughs> always, uh, I always wanted to have that Jersey I, hanging up at home. Uh, yeah. Mom's got her in the closet probably somewhere. Oh, you're dang <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, no, I, I, just, it's always been something that I thought was a part of my game. Always something that kind of made me the, the person that I am, um, in the room kind of, I wasn't always the best player. Right. So you can, then you got to kind of find your way through. And I think that was a part of my game that I wanted to make sure kept me on the teams and didn't push me out because you see a lot of guys, especially as you get to the NHL, these good players that, that just aren't, they're not team guys. They don't understand the team dynamic and, and it seems almost like waste of talent. You're, You're wondering why are these guys getting moved around so much? What's going on here? They're such good players. Well, why is, why are they not finding a home? And, and a lot of times it's, it's the unsaid, right? The unsaid that, that, uh, people have. So that was something that I wanted to establish of myself as soon as I got into the league. And, and I was very appreciative when the, uh, the ducks took notice of that. And then, you know, as time went along, I got established as a leader
0: to think about where we were at at 10 years old. And, uh, it kind of leads into my next question of, we weren't the, the coolest guys in high school oh, no. by any means, right? Oh, we weren't, no. we weren't at the, we at right the right high school, school parties and being the, you know, yeah, we weren't fucking popular high school kids, but, um, I got to do the graduation speech a few years ago, pat on my own back for the yeah. for the high school kids. A couple and for you. and, uh, yeah. and uh, in that speech, I talked about how me and you walked those same hallways of that high school and just didn't let anything stop us. And walking into places like Madison Square Garden or the Staples Center, that's what I knew. That, that, you know, all those times, all those sacrifices, they were worth every fucking minute of it to live the dream that we get to do now. I know you're super humble and you probably won't elaborate on it, but it's got to feel pretty cool knowing from where you where you came from um, to get to the point to where you're at in life today and to be able to live and, and play on the highest level.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's super cool. First, first of all, you did a great job with that speech, by the way. I was very, very (laughs) impressed. Um, When I, when I heard you speak so eloquently, um, I was caught off guard. You're wondering (laughs) who wrote (laughs) it, eh, Josh? Were you wondering who wrote the speech? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I was uh, (laughs) the kid I knew to who was standing up on that stage. It was was pretty impressive, but, uh, but no, it, it definitely, it, it uh, makes you feel like all the hard work you put in and all the sacrifice time just was so well worth it, right? Like all that, all those days where guys were going out partying or whatever, and I was sitting at home, ten o'clock, whatever it was, going to bed or curfew at nine o'clock, and back at home, and um, people are out drinking. Hey, why aren't you coming out doing this? Uh, what makes it feel like it all paid off when I was twenty-three and you know we're out in New York City yeah. doing what? doing what yeah. you know save my party yeah. from when I was 17 till when I was 24 you know 23 yeah. heck
1: yeah that's all right Tanner was picking up the slack for you
2: oh I know <laughs> step, step. Yeah. that was one of the best parts about high school is listening to Tanner's stories when he came back from wherever he was in in, uh, in Canada the small yeah. towns coming back oh, from the yeah. videos
0: yeah small town Jason knows to those, Monday those. Morning. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make it yeah. Much.
1: oh yeah yeah, I uh, I just got a 20 year head start on Tanner on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, rising to the top, um, one thing that I always kind of look back on and uh, that now at the time it didn't seem that that cool or that important and it was awesome, but you didn't really understand the significance of that time in life. And we both kind of got our shot to the highest level of our sports at the same time. And I know you were a huge uh, help for me and, and such a good buddy because we kind of went our own ways when you went to college and I was doing my own thing and you know we started to reconnect later on you know in our 20s early 20s and then both making it to our highest levels and we started you know really being able to connect with the situations that we were in and handling those pressure situations and the mindsets and and just having somebody who understands what you're going through because life changes when you get to that highest level and people are watching you on tv every weekend people do treat you different and and you know it's a different game so for me and i don't know if it was the same for you but it was pretty pretty phenomenal to be able to to share that with you and have somebody to bounce that off of was there other than myself was there people that that really helped you to to be able to excel at that highest level yeah. yeah
2: I'm, oh, my dad, for sure. I mean, there was, there was a lot of people that helped me at this level, um, figuring out my game and how I needed to be a pro and how I needed to act and, and the way you need to uh, take care of yourself. That's a lot. I'm sure you learned that as you went through, right. The way you take care of yourself is, is a lot different um, than what you do when you were young. But um, just to touch on what you were saying, Tanner, it was, it was nice to have you there to talk to, right. You're going, you're going up through the same thing that I was going through as you're trying to cut your teeth and make your way on in the scene. And, um, trying to become a regular and then you're, you're getting hit with all these different things and how to, how to handle them and uh, just to be able to talk to you through it. And it was also exciting for me, you know, like I, I always enjoyed, maybe enjoyed the PA bull riding a little too much, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I always enjoyed watching, watching you ride. And I always enjoyed the sport. So when you were coming up and um, cutting your teeth, like I was saying, it was somebody to cheer for. It was almost like a way I could take my mind off of hockey and uh, and it, another thing was we were in the room and and at one point I had the bull riding on the TV in the NHL locker room and the boys were going you know what's going on here and I was like hey this this guy right here this is my best friend from back home like he's about to ride let's <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. we got we got all the boys in the room watching like cheering him on you know pretty yeah, pretty awesome. cool stuff going on there yeah. and then sure enough Tanner comes to the Anaheim bull riding and I'm we have the, the all-star break so I'm there watching him and he wins it like yeah but
0: like one thing josh came you went back home for your dad's birthday i think and it was the all-star break and you could have been in fucking hawaii or anywhere that the guys normally go to and josh came back to to be at the anaheim event to cheer me on and watch it yeah. yeah that was super cool well, i was you guys and holy man like like that that shit is like storybook stuff which I, like i said at the time it's just like yeah we're just fucking rolling but when we're like 60 years old or seventy years old, and we're looking back at pictures and memories. That's gonna be shit that is is super and even right now that I'm out of the sport and just thinking of of those times and how cool that was to, to get to do that was well
1: kids your kids together will look back at that and think that's pretty cool, which I, I thought the PBR did an amazing job. Um, Josh, I don't know if you looked on PBR.com back then, but they had documented all because Tanner, you're doing the PR at Anaheim. Yeah, I did every smile, we had right?
0: we did some cool stuff. Yeah. So, we had so it was fun. cool.
1: Yeah. Didn't you put the goal equipment on too?
0: That oh, was yeah. in Nashville. I did that. That yeah, was yeah. in Nashville. Okay. No, I texted but, I, I was supposed to do it with Mike Fisher. He was supposed to shoot on me. And then the day of uh they switched it and it was um Philip Philip Forsberg. And I texted Josh. I'm like, "Hey, is this guy?" Because all they were doing, I wasn't playing net. They were just fucking ripping slap shots as hard as they could at me. That was that was the whole. It was a stunt. I wasn't supposed to say it. So I was like, "Josh, this guy shoot pretty hard too." And he's like, "Oh yeah, like." probably one of the better ones in the league yeah, okay yeah. great so then I knew that that guy he'd wiped you out Forsberg in the playoffs that year before that and so he was ripping slap shots at me and I remember skating around so they let me skate with the team Suban was there at the time a bunch of I don't know and I'm in just his goalie equipment just skating <laughs> around and they're all like doing their bag skate at the end of practice they're all looking at me like what are you uh, doing dude and I remember skating by him and and uh Forsberg's like uh talking to me in his accent and i was like yeah my friend's uh josh manson like just like you know giving him a look like friends josh manson he's like oh tough guy tough guy you're damn right (laughs) don't shoot too hard on me Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah no the ducks organization the honda center um through the tie that we had with each other they were so amazing to me and and you know josh we got to recreate a picture from our youth that they, you know, the, the ducks. Yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah, that's right too. Yeah, Yeah, it was cool.
0: And that's why I can see Josh, you're very, uh, intertwined with the community, with the team, the owners, and that's, you know, that's gotta be a reason why such a, such a great team, such a great community, right?
2: Yeah. The owners do a really good job with that. Henry and Susan Samueli, they they do a great job kind of pushing us out in the community. It's tough right now, obviously with COVID, but we've been doing an amazing job still. Um, virtually the best we can, um, yeah. but that's always been a big focus of theirs is um, getting back into the community, giving back uh, as much as we can. They, they've, they've been really great about that as owners of the team.
0: You guys are in with the youth. You're playing roller hockey with with youth communities. You're, you're bringing – because hockey, obviously, in California is not overly a – Uh, a big sport correct compared to to other sports or or in Anaheim especially like you don't get noticed on the street per se like you would say in Edmonton right no
2: no yeah it's not as not as prominent for sure I mean if in Canada if you're walking around um, people will stop you because you look like a hockey right you know you can kind of sniff out a hockey player when you're in Canada you can look at somebody and say oh you look like a hockey player out here it's not not so much people might think you're an athlete but they won't really you down because a lot of people out here are athletes. It's Southern California. Um, but they, uh, yeah, we, like you said, Tanner, we, we have the programs, the roller hockey, whatever. I think it's called the score program and it's growing the sport of hockey in Southern California. I think at a, like a rapid rate, it's actually crazy. Yeah. Um, so many kids are playing. There's new programs that Kevin BX started this um, in Irvine out of our practice rink. Um, oh man, I wish I had the name. Don't be mad at me, Kevin. Um, of what it was or what it is. But they like the kids are at school and they're hockey all day. And I mean, these kids in Southern California, I'm telling you in the next 10 years, maybe even less than that, there's going to be a lot of good hockey players coming out of Southern California because all these professional athletes, they come and they retire in Southern California or whatever it may be. And, and now they're putting their kids into the hockey programs. And now that the hockey programs are legit and they have good coaches that are teaching them from a young age. They're just gonna, they're gonna bloom, man, and it's, it's gonna yeah. be an inevitable force. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, well, all athletes to start with, breeding athletes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how,
1: uh, how far are you away from your mom and dad? Um, just two. so our audience knows, there that Dave, he's, uh, he's a coach in Bakersfield for the Edmonton Oilers farm team. Um, you're two hours away. Two and a half.
2: Two and a half.
0: So yeah. oh, do
1: you get to see each other a little bit more? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we get down, especially now.
2: Yeah, yeah, especially now that we have the the baby, and um, they'll drive down when they get the chance. It's been re- really nice, actually, um, especially through this COVID process, having them in, Diego, yeah. Um, yeah. and not across the border, right? Getting stuck over there. So, um, yeah, they'll come down. Dad's dad's got his schedule, which is tough because you know their schedule is just as crazy as ours for the most part. So it can be tough for him to get down. But my mom will pop down, so it's nice. And you didn't get home last summer. You just stayed in Cali. Yeah. Yeah. We just stayed here in California for the whole summer. It was, it was too hard with the baby being born and the uncertainty of our schedule when we were going to get back going um, to go across the border with her. And she didn't yeah. have a passport yet. There was just too many things going on. So we unfortunately didn't get a chance to make it back.
0: So what was it like um, having a child? Obviously it's your first child. So it's just such a crazy situation to start with then through a global pandemic on top of it. What was that whole situation like? I don't know if California is different than Canada, but um, having a having a kid in a pandemic and and not being able to play hockey and just a total life change. How, how's everything going that way?
2: It was good. We had a lot of stuff going on for sure. Like we were building the house that I'm in now. We were, we were building that for a good year and a bit. Um, and while this was all going on, while the COVID stuff started, and then the baby was born. Um, and then the lockdown was all going on. So we couldn't get back to Canada, even if we wanted to. And then family couldn't come down and see her. Uh, so it was just, it was a crazy time. But on the bright side of it, I, I didn't have hockey. So I was home all the time. I got to see my baby every single day, growing, changing, all the things that, you know, during a normal hockey season, you probably, yeah,
1: not, not probably,
2: you, you can't get exactly. No. You <laughs> just don't get that time. You're going for two weeks at a time and you come back and your baby's doing something. Um, that you'd never seen him yeah. do before. So I, I was very fortunate. Uh that was a definitely a silver lining, was the amount of time that I got to spend with with Gemma and and my wife Julie too.
1: Yeah, i better throw that one in, pal. That'll yeah. go well for you. Yeah. Trust me from a guy that knows 20 years experience.
0: Uh, you know, we talk about the fights, but there's also the uh, you've you've made yourself not just that player. You're a well-rounded player. You can you could skate, you could pass, you could score. Uh in the league, what is is there times that stand out for you? Maybe it is a fight. Maybe it's it's I don't know. What stands out for you over the over the last few years that you've been in the, the highest level of the game as as one of the coolest experiences or coolest games that you've you've been a part of, or coolest thing maybe you've done or you've seen somebody else do? Um
2: oof. That's good question there, Red. That's a great question. Yeah. Actually, the 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 most fun game that I've played in uh, was the game six against no game six game five game five at the Honda center against the Edmonton Oilers in the, in the, uh, second round of the cup.
0: Yeah.
2: We, the uh, back. The the yeah. they come back on Catella. Yeah. For all the oiler fans listening to this podcast right now, I'm sorry, yeah. but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, the, the comeback <laughs> when we were, we were down three with like three minutes to play. Yeah. And we rattled off three goals to send it to overtime. And I was on the ice when Paris scored that goal. Oh, and, wow. uh, Oh man, what a feeling that was. That was crazy. That was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. That was that was definitely up there. Personal level, probably first goal I scored and then probably fight against Luke Cheech because that was right when I did that, I kind of knew I established myself. So that was a pretty cool feeling too.
0: What about the fight I'm against flying
2: in on uh Tyler
0: Myers? Tyler yeah. Myers oh, like a wrecking that's... ball.
2: Isn't that how that went? No, yeah, that's that's that stuff is just that's awesome. That's so the wires didn't just touch <laughs> in that one.
1: The wires just they cry. oh yeah Tanner was sending that out to all of us like oh, this shit.
0: Well as much as Josh said he watches the bull ride would show his friends the bull ride stuff. Like I don't miss I you know by all the NHL channels I watch like I watch hockey but I watch fucking Josh just like you said you have somebody to cheer for you have that that yeah, yeah. inner inner cheering for somebody that you know and, and oh it's just <laughs> amazing which gets me to the next one tyler myers is awesome i did like that i got to, somebody put the wrecking ball song with oh, it. oh i know oh song. unreal yeah, yeah. yeah it's all know. over the place yeah. Awesome. oh yeah. yeah i think that went out to everybody in my contact list like oh, this is my friend this is my friend <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, but the first game i got to see you in first nhl game i got to see you play in uh, same thing i was doing some pr stuff you're playing the toronto maple leafs uh i'm buzzing around the arena doing different different stuff and and you're playing and uh you fight roman Polak, Polak you know that?
2: yeah yeah i well i remember because you were up in the press box at the time and uh i got in the fight and i remember one of the hurt, hurt guys was upstairs in the press box and he came down after and he's like hey, your buddy's a redhead kid right the, the cowboy and i'm like <laughs> yeah he's like man when you were fighting he was losing
0: and he was standing up <laughs> cheering. <laughs> I was smashing the glass in the and I press was, box. Yeah, no, just I was, fighting I was, with you. He was throwing yeah.
1: punches with you. you know? Yeah, so well, I, was, I
2: was laughing. I had a good laugh at that.
0: About got kicked out. All the radio and TV guys are like, whoa, volume down. <laughs> yeah, settle down here. This, yeah. this is not what you
1: do up here. Yeah. yeah.
0: Such crazy memories of of getting to do um different crazy stuff at the highest level that most people don't get to ever even experience in their life and always be grateful for those situations. So now that, um, you're, you're rolling on through your career, it's a long time out, I know, but what, what do you kind of look for or have you even thought about it after hockey? Is there stuff that would you like to stay in the game in a sense, or would you like to leave or what I, you probably haven't really thought about it, I guess, but what kind (laughs) of is on your mind for, the, the second part of life.
2: You know, I've thought about that a little bit, especially during this whole COVID thing. I had lots of time to think about it. Um, I don't know if I'd want to stay in hockey or not. You know, if, if, if my path led me down that way, then, then maybe I would. Um, but I, have always been interested. I've said this to a lot of people. I've always been interested in construction work and, and being a contractor or doing some type of work like that, especially when I was doing this house. Um, I was trying to follow my contractor fairly closely. Um throughout the process. But that's something I think I'd be interested in when I was done. I kind of got in touch with the NHL PA. um, There's a workshop you can do to kind of figure out what an aptitude aptitude test or whatever. So I started doing that stuff and trying to figure it out because, you know, that day is going to come one day, inevitably. Oh, Um, good
1: for you for taking advantage of those opportunities that are given to you because I, I don't even know of a player that's done that, Josh. So good for
2: you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I mean uh, hopefully one day I actually pans out and does something, but at least get you know, start heading down that road because um it does happen to every player eventually. You know, the game yeah. the game leaves you eventually, whether you like it or not. game so.
1: catches up on you, yeah, exactly. whether you want it to or not.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So that's something I'd be interested in for sure. I mean where where or when that will happen, I don't know, but you know, one day.
0: Yeah. And you're building a house in uh built a house now in California. You guys moved in. Full, full time there.
2: Yeah. We're moved in now. We're all, we got all set up right before Christmas. So we're not quite fully finished it yet. Um, I know what not to do as a contractor now, (laughs) 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 but, uh, but it it turned out great. We're really happy with it. You know, we got to design kind of every aspect of it. So wife's happy. And that makes, that makes me happy too.
1: Would it be ideal for Josh Manson to finish his career out as an Anaheim duck or do you go where the money is?
2: You know that's a good question. I've thought about that quite a bit, and you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful that one at one point in my career I have that that uh, choice. You know, I feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. you don't have that choice. It's kind of
0: you, yeah, you kind just think, go where you're sent. Yeah. You
2: know, so I, I'd hope that one day I have that choice. Um, what I like to stay in Anaheim? For sure. I you know just from being here, my wife's from here. There's all I have a lot of ties here. But at the end of the day, it was a conversation that I've had with my wife. If if hockey leads somewhere else, and that's kind of just the path you got to follow. You know, there's it's a very short career in the grand scheme of life. So there's always going to be a lot of time afterwards to uh, to be where you want to be. Yeah. Good call.
0: You and Andrew Cogliano are, are, you know, very tight, good buddies. So when you when you come into the league and you have those guys like BX, uh, uh, Corey Perry, uh, Andrew Cogliano and and you kind of cut your teeth with them and they showed you the ropes type of thing or, and how to, how to be a professional. And then hockey's such a crazy business where guys will retire or they'll um, get traded to different teams. What's that like just to, to try to, you probably see them every day at the rink and then all of a sudden one day they're gone. Do you still stay in touch with them? And is it hard on you um, mentally to, to keep moving forward without kind of that same comfort zone of the, of the guys, you know, in the locker room with you?
2: Yeah, it's, it's one of the aspects of the game that I don't think anybody truly enjoys, right? You, you build these relationships with these guys and you get close and um, become good friends with. And in the blink of an eye, literally a guy is gone. You wake up the next day and, and you don't see that person again until you play them or in the summertime if you want to go visit them, right? You know, when Cogs got traded to Dallas, that was a really tough one. Uh, for me personally, that was a guy that uh, I was close with, you know, dinners on the road almost every time. Um, so now the next road trip you go on, you know, you're looking like, well, yeah, that one, gonna, you know, you, you kind of get in that comfortable routine, right? this is what I do. And, uh, so that, you know, things change like that and it makes it tough, but you definitely still stay in contact with, with most guys. You know, it's tough to stay in contact with everybody, but, uh, with most guys, you do.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that in the NHL, like, it's not like you're, uh, you're a peewee hockey player, a bantam hockey player with your, you're with the team and those are your best buddies all the time. You guys all live in, in different places throughout in the area, but it's not like you guys are, are spending a lot of time together away from the rink, correct? No.
2: I mean, well, half the guys have families, right? Yeah. I would, on our team, I would say 90% of the guys have girlfriends or wives. Um, you can in this COVID environment now, especially you can't get together away from the rink with the protocols. So before that, exactly before that, yeah, you would get together and you know, you'd have dinner sometimes, but the majority of the time you spend with your teammates is if you go on the road or when you're at the rink for the three hours at three, four hours a day. Right. Um, That's the majority of the time that you get to spend with your, with your teammates a little different than peewee when you're, you know, yeah. After school, you're going to hit Buckland rink or whatever. Yeah,
1: going for going for a pizza, <laughs> yeah, DMing, yeah the whole team. Yeah, those are the yeah, those two right. days.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, I had one question from from a buddy, and he was asking if um if you still like that special California pink salt.
2: <laughs> hey, Sky, I know who that is. Yeah, the stuff from Costco. That stuff.
0: <laughs> you better okay. tell that story.
2: Uh, it's just so stupid. <laughs> there was that that Himalayan pink salt that was out. I don't know how many years ago this was. And we had it. And I I I don't even remember how the story went. But I brought it home where I said, oh, this pink salt's really good stuff. Like, I like it a lot. I got it in California. And I think it was my buddy, Monty, brings it out of his pantry. And he's like, oh, you mean this Kirkland brand from Costco <laughs> right here? <laughs> He's like, the stuff you can only get in California, you cool guy. <laughs> you cool guy. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, idiot. That's cool. Okay. Well, we've held you for a long time, and we appreciate you uh, joining us here on the on the podcast. It's pretty cool to, to catch up and reminisce some of those good old memories, and we look forward to following your career for many more years to come, And and big fans, obviously, here at the NFP Podcast. But we have our one infamous question that we ask – Everybody that comes on the show, this is the NFP podcast. Josh, what does hashtag NFP mean to you,
2: man? I, this is a tough one. I've been thinking about this because I want to nail this answer the best I can. You know, you don't want to,
1: you don't want to <laughs> get it wrong, Josh. That's why we love you, man. Like <laughs> you're putting some time and effort into this for us. So yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I don't expect much out of the answer, but uh, I would have to say. It's just you don't you don't make the excuses and you don't you don't uh you don't like back down. It's it's really hard to explain. You know, it's it's not something, it's a mentality that you have just when you're around people that uh man, it's really hard to put into words though. You know, like you just you know it when you see it in somebody like oh that guy. And I've seen a lot of them, and I'm not gonna say I'm the toughest by any means. I've seen a lot of guys that are absolute nails, um, but they just, they don't complain. They go out and they do their business in my world. Anyway, you go out and you yeah. do your business. You don't say boo, no matter how bad you're hurting, nothing affects you. You just, you just roll on. Like there's nothing, nothing's wrong with you. Cause you're just a nail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that but makes that, sense. Yeah. But that 100%.
1: inspires you, yeah. right? Josh, does that inspire you to be a better oh. teammate, better player everything right you know when you know even when you're at home a better father it, it, you can you can bring that into real life at any time of day i think yeah. so uh that's the you know what you'd hit the nail right on the head speaking
2: of nails you yeah. know like well, it. nobody likes nobody likes a pouty baby right yeah yeah nobody, i think fair. i think that's why so many people like cowboys really because you get so many like the cowboys are just tough like Oh, there's some, pouty, there's some pouty
1: babies there too, Josh. Actually, yeah, it's but probably the same. It's probably not same. as many. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's. Yeah, you're right. Same as. You know, like, guys, you know guys, what I mean? I'm For sure. the
2: majority, I guess. I mean, maybe just because I know the Burn family, and that's that's my <laughs> yeah. examples of cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I, I know no, the, the toughest they come. So, um. But yeah, that that'd be my uh, that'd be my hashtag NFP. I like, I like that.
0: it. That's yeah. solid yeah that's yeah. pure gold pure gold tanner, tanner hits boys. another home run
2: with the
1: guest good pick in tanner.
0: oh it's good yeah it's fun well, that yeah. was a lot of fun boys yeah dude we know that um all the money and and uh fame and everything that comes along with with this what you've accomplished over your career it's, it hasn't changed you one one lick you're still the same pa kid uh good-hearted tough do what the fuck it takes to to make things work so uh, just, we appreciate Tesla you
2: now that's all hey yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah.
0: cool. uh, once again josh manson thank you for joining the nfp podcast presented by 3d
1: Entertainment. when <laughs> the
0: Stop